mates. Welcome back to the Top Step Podcast. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. We've got a Mariners Monday edition. We're recapping the weekend, the big series against Detroit. They took two or three. I'm going to talk about some things that I like, some breakdowns, some things I'm concerned about. Matt Brash, I'm going to give you a little bit of a hint. I'm going to talk about your Mother's Day. I'm going to give you some shout-outs, uh, what I got up to yesterday for Mother's Day, and or everything else. We're talking Mariners in this Mariners Monday edition. So before we get to it, make sure you go subscribe if you haven't already. If you're brand new to the show, I do a Mariners Monday on Mondays, and then I'm joined by Grant Balfour or a special guest later on in the week. It's two times a week. Add it to your podcast rotation. All right, guys, you've gone and subscribed. You've told your mates. Let's get right into this Mariners Monday edition of the Top Step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. The breaking ball, he struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. This is Grant Balfour being Grant Balfour. Yeah. He, he is, as you mentioned, Jim, he's amped up. He talks a lot. In fact, he has the demeanor of a guy that wants to fight you. You'll never say that I'm not killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Killing them. Kill, kill, killing them. Okay, so so much to get to in this episode. Before we get into it, let's talk about what I did yesterday for Mother's Day. Now, I did have to work. Uh, we had a 10 a.m. game here on the West Coast uh, in Detroit. Uh, so I only got half a day with my lovely wife, Amanda, and the kids. So it's kind of rushed towards the end. But what we did, we got we rode the e-bikes, the rad bikes, rad power bikes, big shout out to them, Seattle-based company, uh, over to Kingston. And we're kind of scrambling a little bit because, you know, everything's kind of booked up. We're trying to find a place to eat. It's hot. You know, the kids were had, you know, had a big day the whole bit. Uh, so we ended up going to this place and I'm wearing the shirt. Check out the shirt. I'm going to explain why I'm wearing the shirt in a minute. It's called Sourdough Willies. So if you watch it on YouTube or Spotify, uh, you can flick it up and you can see Sourdough Willies. Now, a big shout out to my man, Wesley Montgomery. So riding the e-bikes around cruising. Beautiful day. We're in a good mood. Don't get me wrong. We're cruising around. We're like, okay, we're going to find somewhere rock solid to eat over at Kingston. If you've ever been to Kingston, nice little town, little uh, ferry wharf right there. Um, and then you go kind of up the hill. Uh, so yeah, it, it's a good spot. Anyway, so we walked. I walked into. Um, we had another place picked out. We walked into um, Sourdough Willies, and Big Wesley comes right up to me. He goes, "Hey man, what's your name?" I said, "Oh Ryan." He goes, "Yeah, I knew it." And it was kind of nice, man. Look, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's not like I get recognized all over the place. But if someone's a Mariners fan or a sports fan or whatever, and they come up and they talk, and, and we, you know, I'm always going to be. Hey, how you doing? And talk about the Mariners and what have you. So we kind of hit it off. And Wesley, you're the man, dude. So if you're listening to this, I don't know if you listen to the podcast or not. Big shout out. Thank you for the shirt. We got some photos. We had a good day. So hope you all enjoyed Mother's Day. I want to talk about the unis as well. Uh, the hat choice, obviously the pink bats. It's kind of a staple now for Mother's Day. But something else that kind of um, I haven't spoke about. I got to speak to Grant Balfour about this later in the week. Uh, before we do, I just want to tell my little Mother's Day story. Um, and I know my mom was listening, so. I, mom, I love you. You're back in Australia. Uh, I say this all the time. It sounds super cliche, but I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for you. Now, that goes without saying. And the reason I say that is because this. My, I'm going to get a little deeper here with, with some of this stuff, but my parents split when I was three years old. I had two older sisters and my mom. She was living in Sydney. She had to go north um, to Newcastle. Uh, to Lake Macquarie, a place she didn't really want to go, didn't have a whole lot of money, but she had to be around family. And she did it with, with three kids. She had to rent a house that she 
said she couldn't afford. I think she bought a house soon after that that she totally couldn't afford because she was raising three kids and she did nothing but she sacrificed so much uh, so we could do what we wanted to do. Now, in saying that, I love my dad too. My dad is awesome. I have a great relationship with my dad and my mom uh, equally, but they just they just flat out. I, it's one of these things, man. If you if your parents have split up, and you know, for me, being a three year old, it's like how they ever get along in the first place. They're so different. Um, but you know, I just want to give a big shout out to my mom. Uh, honestly, like playing baseball in Australia, you're gonna understand something. I talk to Grant Balfour about this all the time. You know, I mentor kids with next gen baseball back in Australia. It's tough, man, because no one cares about baseball so much. They, your friends, they, they kind of don't get it till you get a little bit older and if you're really good at it. Um, but I loved it, man. I was so into it. I got a late start. I started playing when I was 11 or 12 years old. And I was just obsessed with baseball. I'm, I've told this story a thousand times. The Blue Jays, the 93 Blue Jays. Um, but, you know, throughout the years from, from 13 on, there were some car trips, man. My mom would drive me. We at one point just to get good coaching. I was part of this New South Wales, which is the state I'm from, uh, the New South Wales Institute of Sports. So I had to drive every Tuesday and Thursday two hours to Sydney, train, and drive two hours back, um, and then I had to get up early, go to school the next day. That was every Tuesday and Thursday. Then every Saturday morning, my mom had to drive me again uh, to training again down in Sydney, and it was hard training, but I loved it. It was awesome. Um, but you know, she sacrificed everything to make sure I had the training. Now we used to roll along, and she knew I loved Rage Against the Machine. That was my band. Uh, if you listen to this show and you kind of nod in your head, you know what I'm talking about. If you're my age, Rage Against the Machine, they nearly came back just recently. But I listened to Rage Against the Machine, and this is way before you know all these kids now. They can just go. They're all raised by YouTube, and they're all raised by TikTok, and they're raised by Google, where they can put in. Um, hey, Google, what is this song about whatever? What's it all about? Well, back then, I used to, my mum and I had such a good relationship. We'd be driving along and she'd let me listen to Rage Against the Machine. There's a bunch of F-bombs and everything else. But she she explained it to me. I, I'd ask her and I was respectful. I said, hey, listen, what are they talking about in this song? And so she didn't know the answer. She'd go look it up and find out. That's the kind of relationship we had. It was awesome. But there were some tears, man. There was times I didn't make teams and everything else. And she kept saying, she goes, hey, you're good. You're good. You love this game. You're good. Right, you're better than those kids. Just keep going. Just keep going. And I used to think, oh, "What are you talking about? I freaking suck." You know, I'm like they're five inches taller than me. They're bigger. They're stronger than me. The whole bit. But she never ever lost that faith in me. Even when I didn't believe myself, she believed in me. So, big shout out to my mom. I got lucky. Um, she had a tough man when we were young kids. My sisters and I, and she just battled through. And, and the other thing is too. Remember, like I said, my parents split when I was young. But she always allowed us to have a relationship with my dad. Always. She never passed judgment when we were younger. And that's how I was able to develop a really good relationship with my dad and my mom. Uh, And now that I'm a dad, I just, there is no way I have a rock star of a wife, man. Uh, Amanda, uh, for a lot of you who are Mariner fans, you know that David Aradzma, who is my ex-teammate, that's his sister. And she's amazing. Again, without her, like I'm telling you, I wouldn't be back in Seattle. She sacrificed everything with her career. Um, just to so I could pursue what I was pursuing as well. And there was times where at the end of my career, I just wanted to quit and give up. Just kept, keep going, keep going, keep going. I got back to the big leagues in 2014 with the D-backs. And a big reason why is it because of my wife, absolute rock star. And now she's doing the same thing. She's sacrificing all her time, her energy, her her, her attention to our two kids, Kennedy and Lennox. She's an amazing mom. We're a non-screen family. Um, and again, I'm not passing judgment. If you're into, um, you know, we, our kids don't have iPads, right? We, we, we don't, my, my daughter has a computer for school, but um, we just, we just don't do it. And it takes a lot, you know, and again, I'm not passing judgment at all. If you 
raise your kids however you want to do it. We just like to, we just, you know, everyone's addicted to their phones. I'm addicted to my phone as well. Um, but every time I look at that phone and little Lennox is saying, dad, 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 he's looking at that and I'm staring at that phone. So hold on one sec. He's looking at that saying, man, dad thinks that phone's more important than me, right? So Amanda is never on the phone around the kids ever. She's never just like, hey, go watch that show. She's always there with them as much as she can. She's an amazing mom and, and we have, we're a tight little little um little family uh we're, we're a unit so i have a great wife she's an amazing mom so i just want to throw some of those shout outs before we get into everything all right speaking of mother's day now uniforms right i know they go with the pink hat i don't mind the pink hat it was a little light for my taste honestly when i saw logan gilbert it's that light pink it kind of looked white on tv i wasn't a huge fan of it but it did spark something now everyone wears the pink shoes and what have you one thing i'm not a huge fan of in major league baseball is now that 162 games, dudes can just wear whatever color spikes they want. Back when I played, um, and I want guys to express themselves, and I get all that, let the kids play, blah, blah, blah. But I just don't like the fact I'm seeing three Detroit Tigers pitchers wearing white white spikes. That was reserved for the Oakland A's. The A's wore the white spikes. Not every other team. I just It drives me nuts. Back when I played, you had to have a certain percentage of the team colors. And I liked it. It looked cool. Like, remember, like all the Cardinal players, they all had red shoes. Um, you know, the Angels at one point, I think they had red shoes. The, the, the Cleveland Guardians back when they were the Indians in the mid-90s, remember? They had those red shoes. It just looked legit. Everyone like had, had that uniform about them. I went to, by the way, I went to primary school and high school where you had to wear a uniform. So I'm all about uniform and and all that, but uh, for some reason, man, it drives me nuts how these dudes can just wear whatever color, whatever the hell they want now. I do like the Jordan spikes, man. That's a new thing. That was never around when I was when I was playing, except for Derek G. He was the only one that could wear them. But everyone's got the Jordan spikes. I'm a big fan of the Jordan shoes. I don't have a huge collection. I've got kind of like a amateur collection, just a couple pairs. But I do like the Jordan uh, sneakers, and the Jordan spikes are cool. But I just can't handle some of these dudes wearing the... Uh, the white shoes. Anyway, all right, enough of that. Let's talk about that Detroit series. Now, we talked a lot about Bryce Miller um, last week about that fastball. 70%, and I did a breakdown on Root Sports on Friday, real similar to what I did here. Uh, I love doing the breakdowns. And uh, I talked about how that fastball, white so dominant. Talked about the lack of vertical movement. If you go back to last um, Mariners Monday, the last edition, um, I talk all about the fastball. Well, what does he do against the Detroit Tigers? He comes out. He doesn't quite have that fastball. I didn't realize this till after the game. I thought he was just changing his approach. But he didn't quite have that fastball. So he went 50% fastball, sliders, and we started to see that change up. So I'm not quite sure. I'm kind of conflicted here because I like this version of Bryce Miller, the fact that he can adjust on the fly. He's 24 years old. Let's not forget. He can adjust on the fly and go slider, 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 change up. But in saying that, I think he's going to be 100% at his best when he sticks with that fastball, when you just keep spinning that friggin' 2,600 RPM at the top of the strike zone. There was times where I'm like, oh man, here we go. He's going to blow the doors off this dude. And he went slider. And then there's a bit of that, that, that contact on a high contact team with the Detroit Tigers. I was like, oh man, come on. Don't get away from that fastball super early. And again, like I said, man, I get it. You have to adjust. For me, uh, it's I had to friggin' adjust because I didn't have the stuff that some of these dudes have at all. But at the same time, when I watched these guys, I used to watch. I used to play with some dudes who just had the filthiest stuff ever. And I'm like, bro, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. See, back when I pitched, it was one of these things where, like, even the guys who threw really hard, it's like, oh, you got to mix it up. You have to. You hear, you hear these things like you have to quote unquote establish your fastball, and then you have to. Um, 
uh, make sure you can th- if you want to be a starter, you've got to be able to throw three plus pitches, and you have to be able to pitch inside. Yada yada. Now they're sort of figuring out that like mm, you know what, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If I can throw this pitch in this spot and just keep just exploiting that weakness, I'm just going to do it. That's why you see some of these dudes who are throwing 60 percent breaking balls. It's wild, and I love it. I think it's great, man. There was times back when I pitched. I swear to God, double AA, A, triple A in the big leagues where you would get. Like you'd be going breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, and you might hear something from the other um, other dugout saying, "Oh, throw me a fastball, you you p word." And I hate, I don't want to use this word on the podcast if kids are watching. Um, or like your you pitching coach, like, "Hey man, like you, you got to challenge these guys a little bit." I'm like, "Bro, I'm I'm f- flipping this breaking ball. They're not doing anything with it. Why? What is the point of that?" Uh, that's just the way it was back then. Now it's more about that. You know what? I'm, I just know that this pitch and this count paired with this pitch and that in this count. That's all I'm going to do. And so with Bryce Miller, I think that you're going to see a little bit of back and forth, that variation. The command was really good. 20 to 24 first pitch strikes was amazing. Um, you look at some of the metrics on that slider too. That slider is no joke as well. I know you look at the and you look at the vertical horizontal movement. Don't get caught up in that. All sliders profile very differently. It's not always about the vertical and horizontal movement. But when you look at the like, – let's take a look at the hard hit percentage, for example. Hard hit percentage on the slider is – just a tick over the fastball, right? That means he's getting that weak contact. He may get a little bit more contact. I haven't looked at the whiff rate just yet as I'm talking here. If I can find it uh, or the contact rate, but you look at that, yeah, okay, the slider is 11% swing and miss where the fastball is 23. Now, a lot of that has to do, it's skewed, it's only three outings. Um, and then the curveball as well. Now, he only throws a slider, apparently. He kind of changes the grip on that slider a little bit. So a curveball could be a slider as well. Stack cast, you know, it's a, it's a computer basically doing it. I don't know if he throws a true curveball, uh, but you look at the swing and miss rate, it's 28.6. So that's still a friggin' plus pitch, plus pitch. I still think that I want to see him back on that 90% fastball uh, range. Uh, sorry, 90, not 90%, what am I saying? That... Um, the 70% fastball rate. I think it's awesome. I think that's friggin' his game. All right. Let's talk about where this team's at right now. Um, you know what? Let's get to this first. Let's get to this real quick. Now, Matt Brash, okay? Um, and I'm going to tie this in. There's a question here from someone. Let me take a look real quick. Someone brought up Matt Brash. And so I had a good look at him. We talked about him in high leverage situations. Let me get just get a look at this real quick. Um... All right, it says here from Austin. What's up, Austin? Austin N. It's underscore, 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 Austin. No, A-U- no it's not. It's Austn. A-U-S-T-N. Uh, yeah, Austin, I'm just going to call you Austin. I don't know if it's Austn or if it's... I'm just going to call you Austin. You are now Austin. And your picture is a... It's a picture of Cal Raleigh. All right. Interested in Brash has been put in high leverage situation, hasn't delivered in my opinion. Uh, we hear and see that he has great stuff, but doesn't seem to uh, have a good enough feel for the zone. All right, so a couple of things with Matt Brash. Now, when you look at high leverage situations, so Fangraphs, if you ever get a chance, I talked about Baseball Savant last week. Fangraphs is a really an, another really good one. And you look at, they actually have a high leverage. If you go to click on the splits on the pitches, uh, and again, everyone can be smart in baseball, man. If you've got Fangraphs, if you've got the internet, you can get get on and be really smart with baseball. It's really fun to look around. So if you look at high leverage uh, situations, basically it quantifies when the game is on the line and, and, and some of the win probability. I'm not going to get into the leverage index today, but basically with a high leverage situation, he has pitched majority of the time in high leverage uh, situations. I don't have the game log here for which is considered a, a high leverage just because I'm talking to you right now. But you look at the the 
Let's look at the numbers. A low leverage situation, opponents hitting 214. Um, I'm just looking at some other stuff. And he's given up in three and two thirds, given up three hits. Um, all right, let's look at the medium. He's uh, it's a 200 average, so it's gone down just a little bit in medium leverage situations. Uh, and he's he's got 15 punch outs and six innings. Pretty ridiculous, by the way. He strikeout numbers are through the roof. But let's look at high leverage situations when the game's on the line, when the game's close. Opponents are hitting 382. They're they're on bases 417. Right, they're slugging 500. Uh, and that's in seven and a third innings. Yes, he is struggling when it counts. He re- he is struggling when it counts. I agree with you, Austin, if your name's Austin. I do agree with you. Now, with Matt Brash, I, I don't think you can sum it all up in just to a bunch of numbers. There's been some times where he has been really good uh, in certain high leverage situations. Then there's been times where he's really scuffled. Other numbers to look at too is inherited runners scored. So for a bullpen, um, remember, they've got to pick each other up. It's not always about coming in with that fresh inning. It's a dude who can come in and when they inherit a runner and what they can do. Grant Balfour, who joins me later on in the week on Thursday, he went through arbitration in his first big arbitration case he had, uh, even though he didn't go to arbitration, but the big part of the book that won him a lot of money. Um, and while the Tampa Bay Rays couldn't uh, argue with him was because what he did with inherited runners. I think it was something crazy where he came in 10 times with loaded bases and gave up like two runs or something crazy. That's a real measure of a quote-unquote relief pitcher, right? That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to come in and get out of big situations. So Matt Brash still has to prove that this year. Yes, it is early. I'm going to get to that in a minute. The whole, yeah, it's early, yeah, it's early when we're talking about the team. But one other thing which is concerning to me with Matt Brash is the workload. Now, Luke Arkins brought this up, my man Luke Arkins. If you don't follow Luke Arkins on Twitter, go ahead and follow Luke. I'll give you the exact Twitter handle because he's a good dude, man. He, we, him, we go back and forth. It's Luke, it's Luke underscore Arkins on Twitter, and he's got some really good write-ups. But Luke brought this up. I was flashing through Twitter just uh, earlier on uh, Sunday during the game. And I'm looking through, and, and he said about the workload. I didn't realize this, but Matt Brash is leading the league with 22 games. Now, why is that significant? You can look at numbers all you want. It's not all just about, it's not all just about, oh yeah, is the velocity staying up or is the stuff staying, anything like that. It's more about the, it's, first of all, yes, it's very physical. When you're first time, and let's not forget, this is Matt Brash's first time in the month of April and the month of May where he's been a reliever and he's had to go get up, get loose, sit back down, go into a game, have a day off, go again. So he's pitching 22 games. He's pitching more than half the games. There are certain guys I've played with that through like 75, 80 games. It's insane. Like literally through in every other game in a season. It is so hard. You have to be built a certain way to do it. The other thing is too, a lot of times when these guys did it back in the day before you had, there was a three batter minimum now, it wasn't that way before. Like Peter Moylan, good buddy of mine, Aussies with the Braves, he's on Bally's with the Braves, does a bunch of other stuff. He's on John Boy and all kinds of stuff. i never forget, I remember talking to him when he did the old Bobby Cox getting loose every day and pitched in half the games when Bobby Cox used to just wear out the bullpen. And it is different. And that was when I was first coming up. When you get to the big leagues, you... When you have success, guess what? The phone's going to ring. It's going to be you and the man. And it's not that the manager doesn't care about your arm. You have to get in shape to do it. No spring training. 
No, you don't work on that in the minor leagues at all. Double A and triple A, it's not a situation where you get used to where all of a sudden you're pitching back to back. You may you may pitch back to back in triple A, but you're not. You're basically just down there getting reps in. You you'll pitch two innings, two days off. It's kind of like a rotation in the bullpen because everyone has to get innings in, especially the, the priority guys. You get to the bullpen, man, it is just all systems go. It is you better be friggin' ready every single day. I remember in 2008, I come in, and I'm pitching pretty well. Our starters were terrible, man. So I was pitching these blowout games. I was pitching close games, left on left. My elbow was absolutely crushed. And I remember, I was like, I can't say anything, man, because they're going to send me down. If I say I can't pitch right now, I'm, I'm going to be that dude getting sent down. So you just have to wear it. It's freak. It's such an adjustment when all of a sudden – you have to pitch every day. Some guys are just built for it. Some guys aren't. Um, Paul Sewell talked about it in 2021. Remember that down the stretch? I remember him talking to me. He goes, dude, I'm gassed, man. He, he was Those last couple of days, he just went every single day. It is tough. Um, the other p- part of this is too with Matt Brash. When you are someone who like, you know, not that he's saying he's pitching off feel, but you got that big breaking ball, and there is times we've seen it where he just doesn't have it, and that game speeds up quick, man. That pitch clock gets quick, and you don't have time to take that breather, and you don't have time if you struggle the next day to go get that nice touch and feel out in the bullpen. At four o'clock the next day, you're just playing catch and just trying to get that flat ground just to be ready to go for that night because you know you're going to be back in the freaking game or you're going to be warming up. So it's tough, man. It takes some time to adjust. Matt Brash is too good, and I'll, I'll conclude with this. He is too good to have uh, this kind of output. He can throw enough strikes. I know yesterday um, he hit the dude, then he walked in the, the, the run. But regardless of that, there is enough swing and miss there. There's enough chase there that he will be okay. He just has to get in that rhythm, all right? Now, usually, and this is leading to my next point, what kind of team is this? What's this team's identity? I'm not talking about you know, when you look at the offensive production or what they're built on, I can give you a few things. Obviously, pitching is going to be the foundation, right? We all know that. The starting pitching is ridiculous, mate. We are spoiled with the starting pitching. Logan Gilbert doesn't even look that great, and he still goes six and something with three runs. Insane. Um, the offense profile is a little bit different to last year. Way higher. The, the swing and miss numbers in the middle of the lineup is through the roof. Um, and still the power slowly starting to come, but the, the base on ball rate with the swing and miss rate isn't matching up, right? Um, so that's something that's a little concerning. But let's talk about um, it's, it's still early, it's still early. You hear that all the time. Or, or you know, again, and it still is, but I remember Jerry DePoto made this comment. I kind of agree with him. Once you get into May and you get to that 40-game mark, that's when you kind of know who your team is. And that's where you start to sort of go down what road you're going to go down to when you're talking about where, how you're going to uh, structure your, your mid-season trade. Who's going to go on waivers? Who's that one guy you're actually paying that is not a priority anymore? Blah, blah, blah. How's your team sort of to – how's your team – what does the structure of your roster look like? For example, go back to spring training. Now, we're 40 games in roughly. I think we are. What were we, 40 games? Or 39, 41, I don't know. Um, 40 games in, and we're about to face the Red Sox. going to do a preview of that in a second. So you're 40 games in, go back to spring training. Now, remember, Jared Kelnick was going to be platooning with AJ Pollock. Well, guess what? Jared Kelnick has won that everyday spot. Hitting lefties, hitting them on the left field, playing every single day. You cannot take him out of the lineup. Uh, Julio Rodriguez, all of a sudden, I still think he's going to be lamented in that top of the, the lineup. But he's now hitting around... Three, he's hitting a little bit further down. Maybe because he – and he he said this too. If you missed it, 
He said that the game was kind of too fast for him to get back from center field or be ready to go before his routine for the pitch clock. And he's sitting there going, well, hold on, every leadoff hitter has the same issues. But some guys, are, like I said, they're just a little different. The little things make him successful. When other guys, it doesn't matter. So it's going to be interesting. Julio may be further down the lineup now. Um, and then you look at the pitching. Now you've got Bryce Miller. No Robbie Ray. So you, this is about that point where you start to, everything starts to kind of level out and you figure out who you, who you have. More importantly, and this is coming from an ex-player, more importantly, who are we as a team? Regardless of all the fan graphs and baseball savant, you can throw numbers at the wall all you want. What, who are we as a team in that clubhouse? What are the new guys like? What kind of energy do they bring? Are they, you don't, by the way, you don't know this until you've spent a good rock-solid month, month and a bit, and some long East Coast road trips to know who, what your team, what, what's, what's it all about? What are the things that you're joking about? What, is, it that, is it that one or two guys who come in and they give that over-the-top um, motivational sort of talk in the clubhouse or the way that they're vocal? That was Mike Sweeney. Next year, we didn't have that from Mike Sweeney, right? The identity... Um, with the same group, same set of players with a couple of new faces was completely different to the same core of players the year prior with a couple of different faces in it, right? So all these little things, you start really start to figure it out. You start to figure out, is so-and-so um, doing the same things they did last year and how's it affecting them? Like, for example, Jesse Winker last year, right? So Jesse Winker, regardless of what he did performance-wise in the clubhouse, there just wasn't that meshing. There wasn't that gelling with him, with the other guys on the team. There just wasn't, right? And, and maybe that's partly because he struggled last year. He wasn't the same dude who they thought they were getting. Or maybe it's just who he was. Maybe the Reds kind of identified that. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We've got no problem giving him up. So this is, like I said, from a player's point of view, this is where you sort of understand the energy and the rhythm of your team. Now, it does change. Don't get me wrong. A certain dude can come in in the middle of it and affect it in a good way or a bad way. But this is where that, that this time comes where you start to look and say, what, what do we have? Where are we heading um, once we get to start to, to line everything up? to the trade deadline. Justin Hollander, I had him on the show and he talked about how the trades work. If you can go back and listen to that, that episode, it's really cool. He talks about how it sort of builds to get a guy like Luis Castillo. So for example, last year the team was far, what, 10 games under 500. They win a huge win, going on a huge winning streak. Well, they win 12 or 13, rattled off 12 or 13. That 12 or 13 win streak, when it happened, put them on that road towards going nuts at the trade deadline. And when I say nuts, going all in on the biggest trade piece, and that was Luis Castillo, straight up. That's what that did. If they didn't win and are hovering more closer to the trade deadline, you cannot start to put the pieces in play to get a guy like Luis Castillo. You're not going to do it. It just doesn't work that way. It's completely different. Okay. So again, like I said, Matt Brash, he's been used a lot. Maybe they need to back off a little bit. Uh, that is concerning because, man, it just changes things when it's their, first, it's their first time. This time last year, he was starting, right? And then at the end of the year, he was fresh as a daisy because he's in AAA pitching every third day. I haven't looked at his game log, but I just know how it works. Uh, and then then he was uh, the dude down the stretch. He was fresh. It's kind of like that. I remember there was like Harry Kuehl. No one knows who that is unless you're an Aussie. When he was playing for Australia, he'd come on in the second half because he's like fresh legs, and it's kind of like that. Um, all right, so I'm going to um, get to the Red Sox in just a second. I did have one question off the topic, and this is about – I'm going to find it. Um, okay, hold on one sec. It's from – is that Brett? 
Brett Tomp. I'm guessing that's Brett Tomp. Oh, this is a direct message. So you know it's important. Hey, man, where do you get those suits? They are sharp. I appreciate it. I've got a big thing coming up. All right. Now, listen, the suits. Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. In Seattle, there's a couple showrooms, one downtown and one in Bellevue. I would, this, every suit I wear is an Indochino suit. By the way, they're way cheaper. I have a deal with Indochino, but they are way cheaper than any other suit. I'm talking cheaper than like a men's warehouse all the way up to the high-end stuff, and they are the best. They fit it exactly the way it's supposed to fit on your body. You go in, you get measured up. Go see my man Brandon over at uh, Bellevue. Uh, he's awesome. They measure it up. They color they they all the the colors. They get everything dialed in. Um, everything's customized. I have hyphen on, on the inside of my jacket. Uh, the lining, the buttons, everything. And like I said, man, you can get some amazing deals. And again, yeah, I'm trying to sell them. The, the people in Indochina, they're friggin' awesome. Had the Royal Baseball Classic and they threw me, you know, three just legit suits. They're just awesome people, really good to work with. You go to uh, Bellevue or, or in Seattle, you walk in there, they're, they're super accommodating. If you're not a suit guy, I'm not a suit guy, I'll be honest with you. I love wearing suits, I do. I do like looking, looking a certain way. Um, and they just fit you really well. I like the three-piece suit. Uh, you can do anything you want. So Indochino, go to Indochino.com. It's all, there's nothing on the rack. They, they The first one takes a little bit longer because the first time you measured up. Once you measured up though, you're good. And like I said, they're way cheaper. So go check out Indochino. I don't have a promo code. If I did, I need to hit them up for a promo code, but they're really, really good. I love, love the Indochino stuff. All right. So the, 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 head, the Mariners are heading to, let's do a little preview. Um, the Mariners are heading to the to play the Red Sox. It's going to be a fun series. Remember last time, this time last year, they went to play Boston. Not good, man. It was it was rough. Now they're not pitching really well. They've just lost four of the last five. The bullpen just got absolutely crushed by the St. Louis Cardinals. So they go walking into Boston on a good spot, but their their hitting is unreal. Now Masataka Yoshida, I can't Yoshida Yoshida. I don't even know how you pronounce his name. Dude, this guy, man, I watched him a lot. Uh, just around the WBC, I was watching a lot of Japanese baseball, and I was, I was checking out some certain dudes. I know he was. I thought he was going to be a guy that Mariners were going to go after, but um, they sort of passed on that. I know, but he's he's three ninety on base. He's hitting three oh seven, six bombs. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Go check it out on Root Sports. I'll be on Root Sports tomorrow. Raphael Devers has got eleven home runs. That's a dude, man. Remember he made his debut in Seattle, and he kind of like. He was a big, big time stud. Then he kind of backed off, and then some of his teammates got on him about being lazy and everything else. And now he's absolutely crushing the ball. But the starting pitching, Tanner Holt is struggling a little bit. Uh, a couple of guys are struggling, so it's going to be a good series. It's always tough playing in Boston. I don't care what you say, who they are, uh, what point in your career you're in, but it's always a tough place to play. It, it's it gets pretty pretty hectic. It's distracting. There's a lot of distractions. You want to go out and sign the wall and, oh, look, there's a green monster and everything else, especially if it's your first time. There's a lot of first-timers going out there. Uh, so it's, it's, it'll be a fun series, but looking forward to that. Um, make sure you, you check out later on the week. Uh, Grant Balfour is going to join me. I'm going to start, as the summer rolls on too, I'm going to do a lot of the in-person stuff. If you, if you want, go back to the in-person uh, interviews. I, I did one with Taylor Trammell, Justin Hollander. I got one with uh, Paul Blackburn with the A's. Uh, go check them out. Really good stories. Uh, I like to dive in about some of their backstories and everything else. All right. I've been kind of preachy tonight. I pro I apologize about the Mother's Day stuff, but um, yeah, I just wanted to tell that story because I know hopefully my mom's listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mariners Monday. I'm going to get out of here 
And uh, go Mariners, big series against the Red Sox. If you've got any questions, shoot me a message uh, at uh, the Top Step, Top Step Podcast on Twitter, at the Top Step uh, Podcast on um, Instagram. You can go to thetopstep.com. Uh, check it out. And make sure you subscribe, guys. It really supports the show. We're, we're sort of getting into that stage where we can start taking on sponsors and do some funner stuff, some more in-person stuff. So the more you listen, the more you share this this podcast, the more we can grow and uh, do some really fun stuff. All right, guys. We'll see you later on the week right here on The Top Step. I'm not